Good morning, Alex and friends. I'm Grace. Today is Tuesday, January 23, 2024, and you're listening to Alex's News. In Riverside today, expect mild temperatures with a high of 63.4 degrees and a nightly low dipping to 51.5. Turning to the stories we're following for you. The Supreme Court has stepped into a contentious issue, siding with the Biden administration in their decision to dismantle the razor wire at the U.S.-Mexico border. This marks a significant turn in the ongoing border policy dispute with Texas Governor Greg Abbott. We'll break down what this means for border security and the administration's next steps. In a bold move to alleviate the burden of unpaid medical bills, New York City announces a plan to raise $2 billion in medical debt, working alongside the nonprofit RIP Medical Debt. This initiative is set to impact thousands of residents, providing financial relief amidst a challenging economic climate. And diving into marine science, new research sheds light on the ancient origins of kelp forests, one of the ocean's vital ecosystems. The study also underlines the growing threats these underwater habitats face. Join us as we explore the significance of these findings and what they mean for conservation efforts worldwide. Stay tuned as we bring you the details on these stories and more on Alex's News. Breaking news out of Washington today as the Supreme Court makes a critical decision regarding the U.S.-Mexico border. Joining us now is Ethan, who has been following this major development. Ethan, can you tell us what the Supreme Court has decided and how this impacts the situation at the border? Absolutely, Grace. The Supreme Court has allowed the Biden administration to move forward with removing razor wire installed by Texas Governor Greg Abbott as part of his security initiative along the border. It's a significant ruling because it not only addresses the physical barriers at the border but also touches on the broader dispute over border policies between President Biden and Governor Abbott. So, with this decision in favor of the Biden administration, how did the justices rule on this case? Grace, the court was sharply divided with a 5-4 to four vote. Chief Justice John Roberts joined the more liberal justices, Breyer, Sotomayor, Kagan, and Barrett, to grant the Biden administration the authority to cut the wire, while Justices Thomas, Alito, Gorsuch, and Kavanaugh were in dissent. There's been some tension between Texas and the federal government over these border security measures. Can you talk a little about the incidents that have fueled this dispute? Sure. One major point of contention revolves around an incident where three migrants drowned in the Rio Grande. Texas officials had blocked agent access to parts of the border, which raised concerns about the safety and legality of border crossings. The conflict essentially boils down to the state's aggressive actions to deter migrants, which the federal government says undermine their ability to manage immigration law enforcement. Interesting. This development might have wider implications, right? Could you speculate on the potential consequences of this ruling? Well, critics of the Texas security measures argue that removing barriers like the razor wire could encourage more migrants to attempt crossings. However, the Department of Homeland Security insists that immigration law enforcement falls under federal jurisdiction, stressing the need for a unified approach. What are the particulars of the legal case that Texas has brought against the federal government? Texas filed a lawsuit to prevent Border Patrol agents from cutting through the razor wire, claiming it illegally destroyed state property and compromised border security. While today's Supreme Court decision is a victory for the Biden administration, the Fifth Circuit is still considering the core legal questions related to the federal government's authority in this matter. 
This Supreme Court decision seems like a victory for the Biden administration, but they faced multiple legal challenges, haven't they? Absolutely, Grace. The administration's efforts to install new asylum limits, an online appointment system, and other policies have been met with strong opposition. Republican-led states like Texas have launched an aggressive legal strategy against these initiatives, resulting in several major immigration policies being blocked or set aside by federal courts. It sounds like the legal battles over immigration policy are far from over. Thank you, Ethan, for your in-depth analysis on what is clearly a complex and evolving story. My pleasure, Grace. We will continue to monitor the situation and provide updates as they come in. That was Ethan, with the latest on the Supreme Court's decision affecting U.S. border policy and the ongoing legal tussles between the Biden administration and Republican-led states. Stay tuned, as we have more top stories coming your way. In a bold move to confront a major financial strain on its residents, New York City has announced a plan to eliminate a staggering amount of medical debt, amassing over $2 billion, for potentially half a million people. To talk us through this historic initiative, we're joined by our reporter Chloe. Chloe, can you give us an overview of what's going on in New York City right now? Absolutely, Grace. So, Mayor Eric Adams has unveiled an ambitious partnership with the nonprofit organization RIP Medical Debt. Their goal is to wipe out the medical debts of individuals struggling financially, which could impact up to 500,000 New Yorkers. With medical debt being a leading cause of bankruptcy in the country, this initiative is seen as a critical step to provide relief to those with low incomes or those experiencing significant financial hardships. That's quite the undertaking. Can you break down how the city and RIP medical debt plan to select who qualifies for this debt forgiveness? Certainly. The focus is on residents whose medical debt amounts to 5% or more of their annual household income or those earning 400% below the federal poverty line. These criteria aim to target those in most need. New York City plans to set aside $18 million over three years starting in early 2024 to help make this a reality. Chloe, for our listeners who may not be familiar, could you explain more about how RIP medical debt operates and the scope of the medical debt problem in the United States? Of course, RIP medical debt has been around since 2014, and they work by using donations to purchase large bundles of medical debt for pennies on the dollar, and then they forgive that debt. This method offers relief without any further action required from debtors, no collection calls, no letters, just a notification that their debt is cleared. And to paint a picture of the scale, we're talking about an issue that affects over 100 million Americans with a combined total of about $195 billion in debt as of last year, as per a report from the Kaiser Family Foundation. Incredible. Now, this approach seems quite sweeping and immediate. Are there any potential implications or consequences of such a large-scale debt forgiveness plan? There are a few angles to consider. First, it could serve as a test model for other cities wrestling with the same issue and possibly influence federal policy in the long run. Secondly, for the individual recipients, it could mean avoiding bankruptcy or homelessness, which in turn could have ripple effects on the economy and healthcare accessibility. And lastly, it relieves the healthcare system from chasing down unpaid bills, shifting the focus back to patient care and hospital resources. With such a powerful initiative at play, are there other related factors that might influence its success or challenges it might face? There's always the question of sustainability, whether this can be a repeated solution or if it's more of a one-time relief effort. It's also worth considering the impact on how hospitals and insurance companies address billing practices and whether this prompts a review of healthcare costs in general. 
Above all, it could start a broader dialogue about systemic reform to prevent such debts from accruing in the first place. Thank you for that comprehensive insight, Chloe. It looks like New York City residents need can look forward to a burden being lifted. And we'll be hearing more about this program as it rolls out in 2024. It will certainly be a story to follow, Grace. Thanks for having me. And thank you for joining us. That's story two of three for today. Stay tuned for more updates. Good morning, everyone. Here are some other headlines we're following today. An artificial intelligence-generated robocall mimicking President Joe Biden was detected in New Hampshire, seemingly aimed at disrupting the voting process. The New Hampshire Attorney General's office is actively investigating this illegal attempt to suppress voting in the upcoming primary. While it's unclear how many have received this call, experts are concerned about the potential misuse of deepfake technology in politics, and the Federal Election Commission is considering regulatory measures. In news from the Middle East, Israel has suffered its deadliest military attack since the Gaza offensive began, with 21 troops reported killed. This marks a worrying escalation in regional tensions. Despite international calls for a ceasefire, Israel has vowed to continue its campaign to dismantle Hamas's military capabilities. The tragic toll of the Gaza campaign has seen over 20,000 Palestinian deaths. Switching to local news, Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis is at the center of a controversy, with allegations swirling about a possible improper relationship with a special prosecutor on the Trump case. While she won't have to testify in a related divorce proceeding, there are calls for her potential disqualification from the high-profile case due to these claims. In politics, Nikki Haley has achieved a symbolic victory in the Dixville Notch primary winning all votes cast in the small resort town. Although it is not much to go on, it's a heartening start for her campaign, as the town has held the tradition of being the first to vote since 1960. Meanwhile, Donald Trump is eyeing a commanding win in New Hampshire, intensifying the competition for the Republican nomination and setting the stage for the election season. Lastly, in a ray of hope amidst conflict, the School for Peace in Jerusalem unites Arab and Jewish children through bilingual education and shared learning experiences. This unique school challenges stereotypes and aims to foster understanding and cooperation in a region often divided by conflict. Those are the headlines we're watching today. Stay with us for more updates as these stories develop. Diving into our third story of the morning, there's a groundbreaking study that has the scientific community buzzing and it's all about the history of kelp forests. With us to explore the depths of this discovery is Ethan, who's been following the details closely. Ethan, can you start by giving us an overview of what the researchers found? Absolutely, Grace. Scientists from UC Berkeley and the Swedish Museum of Natural History have published a study in PNAS that has turned our understanding of kelp forests on its head. They've found that these lush underwater landscapes have been around for a whopping 32 million years, based on fossil analyses from Washington state. That's a far cry from what we previously thought, and it has important implications for how we view the evolution of these ecosystems. That's quite a revelation. So, why are kelp forests so crucial to marine life, Ethan? Well, Grace, kelp forests are to the ocean what tropical rainforests are to land. They're hotspots of biodiversity and serve multiple roles. They contribute to global primary production, 
essentially manufacturing the building blocks of the food web. They provide shelter and nourishment for a wide range of species, from juvenile fish to invertebrates. The structural complexity they bring to the seafloor helps sustain diverse communities and underpin the health of our oceans. With that kind of impact, it's clear kelp forests are incredibly valuable. But what about the threats they face? The threats are quite concerning, Grace. Climate change, marine heatwaves, and ocean acidification are all altering these ecosystems. For instance, ocean warming makes kelp more vulnerable to diseases and die-offs. Acidic waters, which result from excess carbon dioxide, can stunt kelp growth. We're witnessing habitat destruction too. Look at New Zealand's kelp forests, which have been hammered by shifting ocean currents over the past few decades. It sounds pretty dire. If these forests were to disappear, what are the broader implications for marine ecosystems? The potential fallout is far-reaching, Grace. If we lose kelp forests, we're looking at disruptions to predator-prey relationships and the stability of coastal ecosystems. Kelp forests buffer shorelines and support sea life. Without them, we could see more, urchin barrens, where sea urchins take over and the biodiversity plummets. Simply put, if the kelp goes, a lot more goes with it. You mentioned urchin barrens. Can you explain what those are in detail? Sure. Grace. An urchin barren is essentially an underwater wasteland where purple sea urchins have devoured all the kelp. They leave behind a barren landscape with very little life. This scenario reflects a major shift from a vibrant, diverse habitat to a monoculture that supports very few species. This study clearly puts the ancient roots of kelp forests in the spotlight. How does this new timeline alter our perception of these ecosystems? It emphasizes how integral they've been over geological timescales, Grace. This longevity underscores the adaptability of kelp forests but also highlights the fact that they've survived countless changes over millions of years. Their current decline casts a spotlight on the unprecedented rate and scale of human-induced environmental impacts that they're not equipped to withstand. Ethan, thanks for that insightful breakdown. It seems that protecting these ancient, vital marine forests should be a priority moving forward. Absolutely, Grace. Their role in marine health and biodiversity is simply too important to overlook. Thank you, Ethan, for your comprehensive coverage on the significance of kelp forests and the challenges they're up against. That's all we have for now. Today's episode was made by Alexander King with GPT-4, GPT-3.5 Turbo, the Perplexity API, and the Google Cloud Text-to-Speech API. I hope you have a great day. I'll see you tomorrow, Alex.